0: Hello there, Bud Break listeners. This is Katie Phillips, Santa Barbara Winery Ambassador and Educator. And today we are focusing in on Santa Barbara County and more specifically Nielsen Winery. And we have the pleasure of having our guest Anna Clifford here with us. Nielsen is very important when we talk about the history of Santa Barbara County, as it was the first commercial commercially planted vineyard in 1964 by two gentlemen, Uriel Nielsen, most importantly, with the namesake there, and William Dima T. And they bought about 100 acres of grazing land on the east side of what was Rancho Tapesque. And we all know that name from our single vineyard wines at Cambria. And they planted about 30 acres of that. And that was Cabernet, Chardonnay, Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, Sylvaner. Not really knowing exactly what would be growing perfectly in this region, but knowing that it was the perfect area to be growing grapes for wine. And so this first harvest was in 1966, yielding only eight tons and was sold to Christian Brothers for $187 a ton. I'd actually love to know what what the price per ton. We'll have to ask Anna about that for fruit in the area now. And then we come full circle 50, almost 50 years later in 2014, which is when Jackson Family Wines took the liberties to honor this pioneer of the area and give Nielsen its own winery name and branding uh, and representation of these first, this first gentleman who planted vineyards in Santa Barbara County. With that, after this little background, I wanted to introduce Anna Clifford. So Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, hello, everyone. And you, so you started with Jackson Family in 2018, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, I've uh, I was working out of the Cambria Winery still am working with the team there, helping the KG team with their wines and helping support the
0: Cambria Winery team, obviously as well. Amazing. And then we have brought you on as the head winemaker in 2020, correct, Renielson? Correct. Yeah,
1: that was uh, that was such an honor as well. Like very excited to be part of this project and having a really good time after having gotten to know the vineyards a little bit better down here in Santa Barbara County, getting to work with them and come up with the blends and picking and all that jazz.
0: So that's been really fun. So, so everybody's been asking about you too, because they know, okay, there is Anna, she's behind the wines, but they don't know that much about you. So could you please share some of your background? You have a very extensive winemaking background around the globe. So
1: yeah, happy to share. So born and raised in SoCal. So uh, came I always like to say like a very unlikely path to becoming a winemaker. I the movie French Kiss when I was 13, which sadly for me as I get older is a very dated reference. That is what inspired me to become a winemaker. And then of course, not coming from wine country or wine background, I figured, well, where do you go for wine? You got to learn from UC Davis. And then where do you go once you've got your degree? Napa Valley, of course. So <laughs> I got my degree from UC Davis in 2002, and then I worked up in Napa and Sonoma areas. Gildberg, et cetera, uh, for about 10 years before I came back down to the Central Coast, wanting to be closer to home and closer to my roots. And actually, Santa Barbara County was the first wine region that I ever visited when I was trying to learn about wine, trying to learn how you actually become a winemaker back when I was a teenager. So it seemed really fitting to be back down in this area. I've also done several vintages in New Zealand, kind of in various regions there, Hawke's Bay, a couple in Marlborough, and also one in Central Otago. So I've just really loved traveling for wine, traveled a bit through Australia as well, just learning about wine, the different wine regions and different wine styles, and settled on obviously my favorite area to make wine and live is the California Central Coast, because it's absolutely beautiful. And the wines coming out of here, I think they're quite spectacular.
0: That's quite the journey. I love it. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so tell us what, what wineries up in Napa and Sonoma area.
1: Yeah, well, I worked, start at, with? For, I worked at William Hill and Atlas Peak, um, focusing on Cabernet and then Chardonnay as well. Very different style than what we do here out at Santa Barbara County. I've also worked at Behringer and then I worked at Buena Vista. Actually, when I worked at Buena Vista, I was the assistant winemaker, and I got to work with Jeff Stewart before he was over at Hartford Court. So that was really cool. It's kind of that's,
0: nice. I was going to say, I remember when they were bringing you on on board, and they said, "Well, Jeff Stewart says great things about her." So, so yeah, was, pretty, that was that was a good, good connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so so now as the winemaker for Nielsen, again, we have all of this rich history behind the name of the winery, but more importantly than the name behind the winery is obviously our fruit sourcing. And that's what we talk about a lot at Jackson family. There's a there there, or there's, you know, vineyards behind it that we own and we farm. And so there's quite a plethora of vineyards when we talk about a Santa Barbara County AVA wine. So now we are focused just on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, one wine each for Santa Barbara County which will then also shift, and we can talk about that a little later, into more of a Central Coast wine and coming up vintages. But there's a lot of vineyards to get to know. So how did you get to know all of these vineyards and like the fruit sourcing that's available? And how do you determine what you're going to be utilizing for these wines?
1: I've actually been really fortunate in that when I started working with the company in 2018, I was working, obviously, alongside Jill and getting to know the Cambria vineyards very well. But also, um, I was working alongside the Kendall Jackson team and working with Randy Ullum, visiting the vineyard sources that they have from this region for GR Chardonnay and VR Chardonnay. So just spending a lot of time in the vineyards, driving around, you know, and talking with people that have been making wines from each vineyard, and then getting to taste the differences, the clonal differences, and all those things that really add a lot of beautiful layers to the final blends and kind of help inform my picking decisions. Now that we've expanded into some fruit sourcing from Monterey County, again, it's just leaning on the team that we have in place. So the vineyard managers who are all incredibly talented speaking to other winemakers within our company that are sourcing from these same vineyards, getting their interpretations, getting to walk blocks with them that they've also sourced from and kind of seeing that having tasted their final wines and then getting to spend some time in the vineyard. So really it's a lot of physical land to cover. It's just been really a great experience just getting boots in the dirt and then speaking with the experts from vineyard management as well as our we do use a few outside growers, and then our outside grower team has actually been really supportive and helpful and like showing me the blocks and everything. So
0: one thing you brought up, because obviously we have a lot of landholdings in Los Alamos, and we talk so much about Santa Maria Valley, Santa Rita Hills, but what would you say? Because you also mentioned the differences between the fruit that like Kendall Jackson's using for Grand Reserve down in Los Alamos and Cambria State when you're tasting the fruit or tasting those blocks, what are the main differences in flavor? And let's just go with Chardonnay, I guess, to start.
1: Yeah, I feel like Chardonnay really can express differently in all these different locations. Well, I think the cool thing, you know, up in Santa Maria, as we all know, you know, you've got the soil, all that, you know, sea shell and then you get a lot more of like the salty and the salinity and a lot of clone four as well which has those really beautiful tropical notes that it has as well as some really fun lemon lime but in los alamos you know there's so many different clones and also there's quite a few different vineyards so you're getting a lot of different aspects like, for mm-hmm. example, when you're getting fruit from Barum, there is the valley fruit, which has some certain characteristics. And then there's a mesa within that vineyard. So those ones, they ripen earlier on the mesa. You just have a lot of different kind of microclimates even within those vineyard sourcing. And then you also have, like I mentioned, there's a lot more clonal variation than we have in the Santa Maria Bench. Oh, um, okay. In the different vineyards. And then There's like a newer vineyard planting, for example, uh, Mission Hills, and it's a lot of very small blocks. And they've really just done a lot of just based on the aspect of the vineyard, based on the soil on that little block, they're going to put a different clone that we feel will grow differently. So you're getting a lot more, I think you get a lot of richness from a lot of those different sources in Los Alamos, which, you know, uh, more of the stone fruit character, I think you can get. Yeah, okay. and a little and less salinity, a little bit richer and a little bit fruit, more fruity aromatics are coming from there, and a little less of the salinity.
0: I feel okay, which is great for a winemaker, correct? So you have yeah. all this blending material when you're doing a county or a regional type of wine. You want all of that to be able to yeah exactly to create and assemble what what is your vision for what a Santa Barbara County wine should be. So how would you describe your kind of style that you're aiming to achieve for Nielsen? And you can go first for Chardonnay and then for Pinot Noir.
1: Yeah, well, I think just as an overall picture, I want these wines, because of their, they're at a great price point, I want them to be really approachable. And I want them to be fruit forward, but balanced as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that I really try to achieve is a good sense of balance with Say and specifically the winemaking style for the Chardonnay. I really like to do a lot of stainless steel fermentation to kind of really capture the fruit and then preserve the natural acidity that you're getting from the grapes. We do some barrel fermentation, but depending on the vintage and a much smaller portion, or we might do some stainless steel fermentation and then age a little bit in barrel if I feel like just that year it needs to maybe mellow out or round out a little bit to kind of complement the other blending components. I like to say just in general the fun thing about Nielsen, and then that is. You know, because it's representing a region and not necessarily like a lot of wines are a very sense place like this specific vineyard or a part of a vineyard. But I like to think that the beauty of Nielsen really comes from the blending. So as a county, it's obviously a much larger area and you want to get all those cool aspects of different portions of the county. So I think the blending, you really get a lot of beauty that comes through that layering of different flavors. And the fun thing for me as a winemaker is You know, kind of getting to put those blends together and seeing finished product as a, you know, as a more beautiful overall picture, like taking things that are beautiful in their own right, but then also the complexity that you can gain from that blending process is really, really fun and exciting. And then when it comes to Pinot Noir, you know, we don't, I don't do any whole cluster. I know a lot of other areas do. And there's certain parts, of course, of Santa Barbara County that are really known for it. But the fruit that we get from the bench, it feels a little bit earthier and doesn't necessarily do as well. But I think, again, similarly, it's fun to get those different components from the different clones that we use, as well as the different vineyard sourcing. And I'd like to pick, of course, for optimal ripeness, but, you know, good fruit flavors, but then also kind of trying to preserve some of the natural acidity. So not going for jammy ripeness or, you know, overly ripe characteristics that some Pinots can have where they're more, a little bit bigger and bolder. I kind of like a more balanced, again, approachable, bright acid with fruit layered on right. top
0: of it. Right. Yeah. Well, I always say that the the Nielsen Pinot Noir has this really like nice fruit intensity and like power, but not, but like in an elegant way. <laughs> so it's hard yeah. to describe because it's... Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so how do you achieve like getting that... Per- do you think, is it just your harvest time, like being really particular about when you're harvesting... The grapes, or is it something in winemaking? What do you I mean, see? I mean, as...
1: you know, I feel like all winemakers probably say similar things, but I really think we—I focus on the timing of the pick because I mean, we have a little bit of leeway, of course, depending. You know, there's also different regions. I think having the multiple vineyard sourcing allows for a little bit more flexibility with the timing of the pick, if that makes sense. So I was going to say it's
0: probably easier for you because it sounds like things are coming in at different times, correct? Yeah, So you're not being like overwhelmed with just all this fruit coming in. Right,
1: right, right. So then I, yeah, so then I can, you know, this vineyard might be optimally ripe here and then another one is going to be later or earlier or whatever. So it allows for that flexibility of like just really waiting for the flavors to develop and then Again, like even with the addition of the Monterey fruit with the 22 vintage, it's been really, really nice because it's not just a Central Coast wine that has all these different regions, but we're focusing on two counties that are both very cool climate, that are very ocean influenced, that really have that like marine layer and fog that really allows us to elongate the ripening season and make sure that we are preserving that bright acid but also getting a really good fruit ripening component. So that really, it's really pretty, I would say.
0: Yes. So I, um, for anybody out there listening, if you haven't looked at the wine info sheet for the 2021 Nielsen Pinot Noir, there is a 22% of that coming from Monterey. So you did start using uh, a little bit of Monterey in 2021. And like I was out in the market and pretty much every account was like, I will pour this by the glass. Like, and what, what I saw, what I sensed from that wine, and you can tell me because I'd love to know, you know what is the goal with this new edition of Monterey? But for me, it was amplifying the red fruit where like you said, the Cambria estate and the Santa Maria bench has so much of these earthy notes. So it was just like amplifying that to make it like, so like high toned red fruits and really pretty. And just like there was again, intensity, but without being big and jammy and not what Pinot Noir is supposed to be. So I'd love to know, is, am I correct in thinking that? Like what was the, the goal of that edition?
1: I would say you're absolutely correct. Nail on the head right there. Yeah. Just really being able to get a more fruit forward style. There's. Lots of other, you know, different ABAs with all their different complexities up in Monterey County, but there's just beautiful Pinot Noir. There's beautiful Chardonnay up there. Here on in Santa Maria, we do get a lot of the earthiness just because of the clones and things that are planted, as well as like our natural terroir. But the fruit that we're getting from Monterey, it allows for a little bit more diversity than we have here. And then that's, I think, what's really bringing that fruit forwardness. Different ripening times, different vineyard sourcing is really allowing for that a little bit more opportunity to kind of achieve that fruit forward approachable style that we're shooting
0: for. So for Chardonnay, did you use any Monterey fruit in the 2021 Chardonnay? There was a small amount,
1: not too much.
0: And so then 2022 going forward is where we'll have more of a combination of the two, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 2022 is where we really start to see that blending. And then with the Chardonnay in particular in 22, just tasting the Monterey fruit, it was just like this really bright apple and pear and like citrus, which was really nicely complementing the Santa Barbara fruit that we had, which was from part, you know, some of the Cambria state vineyards. And that was much more tropical. And, and that was kind of really cool to see how the two were playing.
0: Nice they play
1: off of each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in going back to Chardonnay too, I know you mentioned a good amount of stainless steel. Does that stainless steel portion go through any malolactic or what is your take on utilizing malolactic?
1: Typically I'll, I usually do not put it through an ML fermentation. Sometimes, like I said earlier, I kind of like to pick based on flavor and to preserve acid. And in some years, if we have, you know, I, I don't like to be too committed to, like, we don't go through ML. Some years we will mm-hmm. go through, like, a partial ML because okay. the goal is to achieve balance. And sometimes the fruit's great, but it happens to be, for whatever reason, the grapes have a lot of malic acid that year. And we really need to, like, mellow out that particular component. But as an overall, none of the Nielsen wines are going to be 100% ML. It might be a small portion, like a okay. 10 or 15%. But liking to avoid it to preserve the acidity, but sometimes when needed, I think, for balance then we will put things through.
0: Nice. Well, and then, cause for, for Nielsen, for me on the Chardonnay, the texture, the mouthfeel, it's always deceiving, right? Because it it's so it's very round, but it also is really clean and not oaked. And so it's interesting, especially if I taste that next to say the Cambria Chardonnay, which has more Oak, but it's like a different, I don't know. It's funny The Nielsen has, is a little more round and textured, but no oak and then less textured I don't know it's like this funny thing to figure out how to taste them in a certain order and so what would you say to get that roundness is that just the fruit sourcing that's a little richer riper like you said maybe from Los Alamos or is that more of like leaf stirring how are you achieving that nice texture
1: yeah, no, I would actually say it is more the fruit sourcing on those and then some of those clonal differences where certain clones will ripen at different rates or add a little bit more richness because we can pick them a little bit riper. And, you know, a lot of the Cambria is coming from those old vines and yes. we don't use any of those old vines in the Nielsen. So Oh, you don't? Think, okay. Yeah. So I think that's a huge point of differentiation where it's coming from some newer plantings with a more diverse clonal focus. And so you're getting the ability to pick things a little bit riper than you would with the Cambria wines. And that's adding that richness in.
0: Is there a particular clone you like to work with the most or that is like a bigger majority of the Nielsen Chardonnay?
1: You know, I think a lot of the original Nielsen wines, they had a really good portion of Wente clone and also clone 96. And I think that I kind of still find it fun to try to incorporate those into the blends because it's a little bit of a nod to the history of what the brand has always kind of focused on, but then okay. I also really particularly like how they come across in their aromatics.
0: What would you say is the difference between the two? I think
1: the 96 tends to be a little bit fruitier, a little bit more high tone fruit, if that makes
0: okay. sense. And are those the, so predominantly like the vineyards that were planted in 2012 on the Cambria State? Is it that, those plantings? No,
1: um it's some of like the more mid nineties fruit and oh, then okay. from the original Nielsen vineyard is where we would get the Wente. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And then and then how about for Pinot Noir? What is is there like a certain clone that dominates? I think Nielsen we actually theme? do typically we do get a good portion of six six seven. You know,
1: but it's also some of the fruit we get from the estate vineyards in Santa Maria. We do get a a fair amount of Clone Four. And so I think, you know, the fruitiness and kind of the dark fruit that you get from 667 and then the earthiness from Clone Four, I think that's always kind of a fun balance and dichotomy that you get in the Pinot. That's great. I love
0: it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just crazy to think, I always say, like, serious fruit sourcing, but a serious value, right? So you're utilizing all of these amazing estates and people are always like, "How are these like such good value? And how are you know?" So, yeah. so hats off to you for blending these um, these really beautiful wines that just absolutely over deliver. Is there like anywhere that you pull your inspiration from, or a winemaker that you worked with, or a particular wine, anything that stands out?
1: Um, I I kind of like to think that you know when dealing and focusing on cool climate Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, I like to think back of all the fruits the fruit sourcing and the wines that I made when I worked in New Zealand and then obviously I mean I fell in love with the region and the wines there and so I kind of like to go back and have them try wines from New Zealand a time or two and just see how interesting cool climate Pinot Noir and Chardonnay like and how the different regions within that country you know similarly can kind of correlate that to like you might get from a Monterey, or what you might get from Santa Barbara County, or Santa Rita Hills is they like to compare that a lot to like Central Otago. I mean, maybe not here, but over there. You know. Okay. Okay. A, nice. I see some similarities and a little bit of the fruit intensity that you get in those regions, and so. I think it's kind of nice to have had that experience. That was the first time I ever worked with Cool Climate, Pinot and Chardonnay. And that's where I decided, like, that's kind of where I'd like to end up. And so lucky me, here I am.
0: Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then, you know, there's a big cellar crew that has a lot of longevity since, you you know, the Nielsen wines are made under the same roof as Cambria. So what's that like? Because you came in a few years ago and they've all been there a long time. Like, it's probably pretty cool to be part of that family of... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's such an honor. I mean, the crew here, the just the years of knowledge that they have, and they're all just so casual about it. I mean, the average tenure of the seller crew here, it's like 22 years, I think. And they've been working with these grapes longer than I have. And some of the cellar workers here used to work with Byron and those wines and things as well. So they predate my experience with the Nielsen brand. And so it's always kind of nice when the fruit comes in, you know, we'll be out at the hopper watching the fruit come in and the cellar crew will just drop some insane knowledge on like, oh, well, this vintage or that vintage, or I remember these grapes, you know, something like that. So it's really cool to be able to work with them because they're also so passionate and so invested in the wines. Like they really, obviously to stay somewhere for 22 years, you have to love what you're doing and really enjoy the people that you're working with. So it's just
0: such a great wine family to be part of. That's awesome. I know it's it's such a special place to visit because I love seeing the cellar all working together and they're knowing that they've worked together for so long and and having you and Jill and Denise and everybody yeah. under one one roof is I know an amazing dream team making wine yeah. in santa barbara county so um so yeah one thing i should have said too when we first started was congratulations so anna had her second baby in november It worked out the timing just right after harvest yeah i looked (laughs) out on that one (laughs) but congratulations on that and i know everybody's gonna be really excited to listen and kind of get to know you better on this podcast and we really appreciate your time and look forward to all of the wonderful future for nielsen winery
1: yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited to be part of the Nielsen brand and to be heading it up is such an honor and super happy to have spent some time with you today talking about
0: it. So thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much. And um, thanks for tuning in Bud Break listeners. And uh, we will probably sometime soon have another special on another Santa Barbara winery. So cheers to y'all.